Chapter One of the Daredevil by Maria Thompson Davies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Like Many Waters. The Daredevil by Maria Thompson Davies. Chapter One Sparkling Waves Over High Explosives. Was there ever a woman who did not greatly desire for herself, at long moments, the doublet and hose of a man, perhaps also his sword, as well as his attitude in the viewing of life? I think not. To a very small number of those ladies of great curiosity, it has been granted that they climb to those ramparts of the life of a man, but it was needful that they be stout of limb and sturdy of heart to sustain themselves upon that eminence and not be dashed below upon the rocks of a strange land. I, Roberta, Marquise de Grez and V, have obtained glimpses into a far country, and this is what I bring on returning, not as a spy, but, shall I say, laden with spices and forbidden fruit. As for me, it has been a very fine dash into the wilds of a land of strangeness, and I do not know that I have yet found myself completely returned unto my estate of a woman. I first began to realize that I was set out upon a great journey when I stood at the rail of the very large ship and watched it plough its way through the waves, which they told us with their splendor hid cruel minds. I felt the future might be like unto those great waves, and it might be that it would break in sparkling crests over high explosives. I found them. I had seen a fear of those explosives of life come into my dying father's eyes, and here I stood at his command, out on the ocean, in quest of a woman's fate in a strange country. Get back to America, Bob, and go straight to your Uncle Robert at Hayesville in the Harpeth Valley. He cut me loose because he didn't understand when I married your mother out of the French opera in Paris. When I named you Roberta for him, he returned the letter I sent, but with a notice of a thousand dollars in Monroe and Company for you. I didn't tell him when your mother died. God, I've been bitter, but these German bullets have cut the life out of me, and I see more plainly. Get the money and take Nanette and the kitty on the first boat. There's starvation, and maybe worse in Paris for you. Take the money and get to Brother Robert, God of America take them and guide and that was all i held him in my arms for a long time while old nanette and small pierre wept beside me and then i laid him upon his pillow and straightened the little tricolor that the good sister of the old gray convent in which he lay had given me to place in his hands when he had begged for it my mother's country had meant my mother to him and he had given his life for her and france in the trenches of the vosges and thus at his bidding i was on the very high seas of adventure from this thought of him i was very suddenly recalled by old nanette who came upon the deck from below le bon dieu she sighed as she settled herself in her steamer chair and took out the lace knitting is it not of a goodness that I have tied in my stocking the necessary francs that we may land in that America, where all is of such a good fortune? And also by my skill we have one hundred and fifty francs above that need, which must be almost a hundred of their huge and wasteful dollars. All is well with us. 
and as she spoke she pulled up the collar of pierre's soft blue serge blouse around his pale thin face and eased the cushion behind his crooked small back is is that all which remains of the fifteen hundred dollars we found to be in that bank nanette i asked of her with a great uncertainty my mother's fortune descended from her father the marquis de grace and and the income of my father from his government post had made life easy to live in that old house by the quay where so many from the faubourg st germain came to hear her sing after her fortune and children took her from the opera and had to go for the summers in the gray old chateau de grace but of the investment of francs or dollars and cents i had no knowledge in spite of my claims to be an american girl of much progress my mother had laughed and very greatly adored my assumption of an extreme american manner copied as nearly as possible after that of my father and had failed to teach me even that thrift which is a part of the dot of every french girl from the faubourg st germain to the boulevard st michel but even in my ignorance the information of nanette as to the smallness of our fortune gave to me an alarm what will you mademoiselle it was necessary that i purchase the raiment needful of the young marquis de grez according to his state and for the marquise his sister also it was not to be contemplated that we should travel except in apartments of the very best in the ship is not gold enough in america even for sending in great sums for relief of suffering have i not seen it given in the streets of paris is it not there for us do you make me reproaches and nanette began to weep into the fine lawn of her nurse's handkerchief no no nanette i know it was of a necessity to us to have the clothes and of course we had to travel in the first class do not have distress if we need more money in america i will obtain it i made that answer with a gesture of soothing upon her old shoulders which i could never remember as not bent in an attitude of hovering over pierre or me she answered with a perfect satisfaction at my assumption of all the responsibilities of our three existences and as i leaned against the deck-rail and looked out into a future as limitless as that water ahead of us into which the great ship was ploughing i made a remark to myself that had in it all the wisdom of those who are ignorant the best of life is not to know what will happen next ah that was so extraordinary coming from a woman that you must pardon me for listening and making exclamation came an answer in a nice voice near at my elbow the words were spoken in as perfect english as i had learned from my father but in them i observed to be an intonation that my french ear detected as parisian also mademoiselle are you young women of the new era to be without that very delightful but often danger-creating quality of curiosity as i turned i looked with startled eyes into the grave face of a man less than forty years whose sad eyes were for the moment lighting with a great tenderness which i did not understand i believe the quality which will be most required of the women of the era which is mine is is courage and then more courage monsieur I made answer to him as if i had been discussing some question with him in my father's smoking-room at the chateau de grez as i often came in to do with my father and his friends after the death of my mother when the evening seemed too long alone they had liked that i so came at times 
and the old Count de Bro once had remarked that feminine sympathy was the flux with which men made solid their minds into a unanimous purpose. He had been speaking of that war a few weeks after Louvain, and I had risen and had stood very tall and very haughty before him and my father. The women of France are to come after this carnage to mold a nation from what remains to them, monsieur. I had said to him, as I looked straight into his face, Is not the courage of women a war supply upon which to rely? God, what are the young women, such women as she, going to do in the years that come after the deluge, Henri of America? He had made a muttering question to my father as his old eyes smouldered over me in the firelight. From the memory of the smoking-room at the Chateau de Grez, my mind suddenly returned to the rail of the ship and the Frenchman beside me, who was looking into my face with the same kindly question as to my future, that had been in the eyes of my old godfather, and which had stirred my father's heart to its American depths, and made him send me back to his own country. Ah, yes, that courage is a good weapon with which to adventure in this America of the grizzled bear, mademoiselle. I found the strange man saying to me, with a nice amusement as well as interest, My father has shot seven grizzlies before his twenty-first birthday. We have the skins, four of them, in the great hall of the Chateau de Grez. Or, or we did have them before, before, my voice faltered, and I could not continue speaking for the tears that rose in my throat and eyes. Quickly the man at my side turned his broad shoulders, so that he should shield me from the laughing and exclaiming groups of people upon the deck near us. Before Ypres, mademoiselle, he asked, with tears also in the depths of his voice. Yes, I answered and I am now going into the great America with my crippled brother and his nurse, alone. It is the land of my father, and I have this courage. I must have also that of a French woman. I have it, monsieur. And as I spoke, I drew myself to my full, broad-shouldered height, which was almost equal to that of the man beside me. Mademoiselle, I salute the courage born of an American who fought before the guns of the Marne and of a French woman who sent him there. And as he spoke, thus he removed from his head the silk deck-cap, and held it at his shoulder, in a way that I knew was a salute from a French officer to the memory of a brother. And also may I be permitted to present myself, as it is a sad necessity, that you travel without one from whom I might request the introduction. He asked of me with a beautiful reverence. After a search in his pocket for a few seconds, he at last discovered a case of leather, and presented to me a card. As he handed it to me, his color rose up under his black eyes, and grave trouble looked from between their long lashes. I glanced down at the card and read, Capitaine, Le Count Armand de Lascelles, Paris, France, 44th Chaussures de la République Française. Monsieur le Count, I know, I know why it is that you go to America. I made exclamation, as I clasped to my breast my hands, and my eyes shone with excitement. I have read it in Le Matin just the day before yesterday. You go to buy grain against the winter of starvation in the Republique. No man is so great a financier as you, and so brave a soldier, with your wound not healed from the trenches in the Vosges. 
and I bent my head and held out my hand to him. We're to expect nimble wits as well as courage of you young, shall I say, American women. He laughed as he bent over my hand. Now shall I not be led for introduction to the small brother and the old nurse? He asked with much friendly interest in his kind eyes. It was a very wonderful thing to observe the wee Pierre listen to the narration of Capitaine, the Count de Lasselle, concerning the actions of a small boy who had run out of a night of shot and shell into the heart of his regiment, and who had now lived five months in the trenches with them. Pierre's small face is all of France, and in his heart, under his bent chest, burns a soul all of France. It is as if in her death at his birth my beautiful mother had stamped her race upon him with a greater emphasis. Is it that the small Gaston is a daredevil like is my Bob? He questioned, as we all made a laughter at the story of the Count de Lasselle concerning the sortie of the small idol from the trenches in the dead of one peaceful night to return with a very wide, thick flannel shirt of one of the botches which he had caught hanging upon a temporary laundry line back of the German trenches. At that English daredevil word, I was in my mind again back in the old Chateau de Grez and into my own childhood. You young daredevil, you, hold tight to that fine until I get a grip on your wrist, or you'll dash us both on the rocks below, was the exact sentence with which my father bestowed my title upon me, as he hung by his heels out of a window of the old vine-covered Chateau de Grez. It is one large mistake that my jeune fille is born what you call a boy in heart, alas, sobbed my beautiful young French mother as she regarded us from the garden below. If you were a boy, I'd thrash you within an inch of your life. But as you are a girl, I suppose it is permissible for me to admire your pluck, Mademoiselle Roberta, said my father, as he landed me in the music-room by his side, while an exchange of excited sentences went on between my mother and old Nanette in the garden below. What were you doing out on that ledge, anyway? It is more than a hundred feet to the ground and the rocks. I was making the hunt through Yellowstone Park that you have related to me, father, and I prefer that you give me a boy's punishment. If I have a boy's what you call pluck, I should have a boy's what you call thrashing. Monsieur, I make that demand. I am the Marquise de Grez and B, and it may be that as you are an American, you do not understand fully the honor of the House of Grez. I can remember that as I spoke, I drew my ten-year-old body up to its full height which must have been over that of twelve years, and looked my father straight in the face with a glance of extreme hauteur, as near as was possible to that of the portrait of the old Marquis de Grez, who died fighting on the field of Flanders. Eh, la, la, what is it I have produced for you, Henri of America? It is not a proper jeune fille, nor do I know what punishment to impose upon her. But with you I must laugh with which my beautiful young mother from the doorway threw herself into the arms of her young American husband, and her laugh of silver mingled with his deep laugh of a great joy. Don't worry, Celeste. Bob is just a clear throwback to her great-grandmother, Nancy Donaldson, who shot two Indians and a bear in defense of her kitties one afternoon, while my maternal grandsire was in the stockades presiding over the council in which was laid down the first broad draft for the formation of the Commonwealth of Harpeth. 
I'm sorry, dear, that she is so vigorously American that she has to climb the Rocky Mountains even here in the garden spot of France. Just now she is French enough to be dealing with me in the terms of that jolly old boy of Flanders' fame in the hall downstairs. But cheer up, sweetheart. She's a wild, daredevil American, and I'm going to send her back to the plains as soon as she speaks her native tongue with less French accent than the rest of us can be happily French forever after. I will speak as you do, my father, from this moment forth. I answered him with something that was wild and fierce and free rising in my child's heart. I will not be a grand dame of France. I am a woman of America. I speak only United States and I clung to my father's arm as he drew me to him and embraced both my laughing mother and me before I was delivered to old Nanette, who, with affectionate French grumblings, led me away to the nursery for repairs. The scene had become fixed in my memory, for from it had sprung a friendship of a great closeness with my wonderful American father, whom love had chained in France. When he rode the great hunter that had come across to him from a friend in Kentucky, I demanded to cling behind him, or to sit in the saddle in front of him, even at times running at his side as long as my breath held out, to rise on his stirrup like the great terrifying Scotchman do in battles, and cling as Kentuck made flight over wall or fence. My very slim and strong hands could not be kept from the steering wheel of his long blue racing car and I could bring down a hare out of the field with any gun he possessed, as unerringly as could he. I lived his life with him hour by hour, learned to think as he thought, to speak his easy transatlantic speech, and did equal trencher duty with him at all times, so that muscle and brawn were packed on my tall, broad woman's body with the same compactness as it was packed upon his, by the time I had reached my twenty-first birthday, by that time he and I had been alone together for eight long years, for my mother had left us with tiny misshapen Pierre as a heart burden, but with only each other to be companions. The efforts of some of my mother's distant relatives and friends to make me into the traditional young French marquise had resulted in giving to me a very beautiful grand dame manner to use when I stood in need of it, which I took care was not too often because I had been born to a woman's estate, I considered I must manage well beautiful skirts and lacy fans, but no oftener than was necessary, I decided. I went for the most of my days habited in English knickerbockers under short corduroy skirts, worn with a many-pocketed hunting blouse. On the night of my presentation at the salon of my distant relative, the old Countess de Rochampierre, I had to apologize to a young Russian attaché, for searching with desperation for the bit of lace called a handkerchief among the laces and ruffles of my evening gown in the regions where I had been accustomed to find sensible pockets. And is it possible that Mademoiselle Americaine hunts as well as she makes the dance? Was his delighted answer to my explanation, which led to a half-hour description of a raw morning in the field just three days before in England, where my father and I had gone over for a week's hunting with Lord Gordon Lee at Leeholm. And then some. I returned answer with delight at his sympathy in my narration of the sport. I like very well the American slang that my father's friends were always glad to teach to me, and that gave to him both amusement and delight when I used it in his presence. 
also i liked well that young russian and he came many times to the chateau de grezenby before he left to join his regiment of russian cossacks in the carpathians at this time it was from the carpathians that i returned to the ship deck to find wee pierre laughing again over the very small dog that brought into the french trenches a very large and stupid sheep from the flock back of the german trenches and your medal of honor monsieur le capitaine is it permitted that i lay for a little moment just one finger upon it pierre asked of him as the great soldier stood tall above the steamer chair and gave to the little frenchman the salute of an officer nanette sobbed into her lace and i turned my head away as the tall man bent and laid the frail little hand against his decoration which he wore almost entirely hidden under the pocket of his tweed norfolk of english manufacture only french eyes like wee pierre's could have seen it pinned there hidden over his heart i think he wore it to give him a large courage for his mission that meant bread or starvation to so many of his people ah monsieur le capitaine i said to him with a softness of tears in my throat i would that there was some little thing that i might do to serve france i do so long to go into those awful trenches with that red cross upon my arm as it is not permitted to me to carry a gun which i can use much better than many men now handling them with bullets against the enemy but it is necessary that i obey the commands of my soldier father and take to a safety the small pierre and as we spoke he walked beside me to the prow of the large ship so that to us was a view of the heavens of blue beyond which lay our america my child there is a great service which you can render france he answered me as we stopped to watch the great white waves flung aside from the ship france needs friends in america great powerful friends who will help her in contracting for food and all other munitions a beautiful woman can do much in winning those friends go to your uncle who is one of those in power in a state in that fruitful valley of the mississippi from which i hope that my lieutenant count de Bourdon, whom i sent on that mission will get many mules to carry food to the hungry boys in the trenches when mud is too deep for gasoline make of him and every one your friend and through you the friend of our struggling country tell them of france laugh with them for the joy to come when france all france with alsace and beautiful lorraine is free and make them weep with you for her struggles who knows but that through you may come some wonderful strength added to your old country from the new whose blood runs in your veins as well all of that i will do mon capitaine i so enlist myself and as i spoke i drew myself up unto the greatest height possible to me i will be of the army that feeds rather than that which kills mon dieu child what is possible to you to do has no limit also i say to you watch and be on your guard for aught that may harm france in america are spies i have been warned also there are those who practice deceptions in contracts it is for the purpose to so guard that i come to america i also will guard i made answer to my capitaine the count de lascelles as we again came in our walk to the side of wee pierre and old nanette End of chapter one